Opportunity has spread its wares before you. Step up to the front, select what you want, create your plan, put the plan into action, and follow through with persistence. I do believe that it is a practice, it is a skill that brands are going to have to get good at. Our stories become richer and become far more interesting when they go against the settled order of things to really achieve something different and unexpected. In just over a week from now, thousands of bright minds from all corners of the galaxy will descend on Cleveland, Ohio for the biggest content marketing event the world has ever seen. I'll be joining dozens of speakers on stage as more than 40 of the biggest brands from over 50 countries share their experiences, insights and so much more on marketing's hottest topic. Communicating this in the same way, we're never going to grow as an industry. And sort of in 2007, you know, put the flag in the ground and said, look, we're going to call it content marketing. And you just see this wave of momentum. Content Marketing World promises to be packed with innovation and thought leadership. Four days of workshops, keynotes and technical presentations. Heck, even Mark Hamill, a.k.a. Luke Skywalker himself, will be making an appearance. And let's be frank, who wouldn't want to see that? Force is strong in my family. Seriously, folks, with so much focus on content marketing and brand storytelling in 2016, the hype around this year's event is justified. And if you can't make it, don't worry, because over the next few weeks, we're going to be bringing the show to you. Welcome, listeners, to a very special edition of Brand Storytelling, a step-by-step -step guide on how to build trust and your reputation through content marketing, all in preparation for CMW 16. Of course, it's all made possible by Newsmoto, the world's leading content marketing studio. And if you want to hear how you too can leverage a network of 25,000 journalists and storytellers, drop the team a line at newsmoto.com. On today's episode, I'm joined by a great friend and content marketing Jedi, the PR warrior Trevor Young. Trevor's actually set to present a free seminar this Friday in Melbourne as part of Firebrand's DigiTalks events. And today, we're not only going to preview that keynote, but we're going to provide you with all the tools you'll need ahead of CMW and my exclusive one-on-one -on -one interview with the godfather of content marketing, the founder of the Content Marketing Institute, Joe Polizzi, which will be recorded live in Cleveland next week. So if you're ready to take your content capabilities to the next level, to supercharge your brand's media company and bring in new and meaningful business through quality communication, then get out your pens and pencils, get behind the desk and strap yourselves in because we're about to get schooled in a content marketing masterclass. Are you ready? Let's do this. Trevor, welcome back to Brand Storytelling. How are you doing today? Thanks, Raquel. Great to be back again. Are you ready to take us to a content marketing galaxy far, far away? Very far away. Very, very <laughs> far away. <laughs> of course, I'm referring to CMW 16 in Cleveland, which is coming up. And as we know, Luke Skywalker himself will be there, a.k.a. Mark Hamill. But the event itself, there's, as I mentioned in the intro, 4,000 plus attendees, 550 companies, hundreds of speakers. It's just a testament to where content 
content marketing is at these days? Oh, it's just it's just crazy, Raquel. I mean, I, I think we see this across the board too. I mean, obviously, content marketing world is the pinnacle event, uh, but you know, I'm always looking at all various conferences around the world, and even meetups and and you know any general marketing conference, and the uh, you know the content is just top of mind, left, right and centre. And as I mentioned in the intro as well, your DigiTalks events, which have already taken place in Sydney and now this Friday in, in Melbourne, uh, going from strength to strength as well. Yeah, that's something I do. Uh, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of uh, the Aquent and Firebrand talent uh, people. And um, it's, it's a quarterly event that they do run. And I've done one in Sydney on um, building trust and reputation through content marketing and doing uh, Melbourne's uh, a Melbourne event uh, shortly as well and they're very well received and again lots of interest from marketers and PR people uh, generally. Absolutely and I know the team from Newsmoto are all looking forward to jumping down on the tram and uh, taking part in that event for a couple of hours on Friday afternoon so without further ado I'm really keen to get stuck into what we're branding this episode as a content marketing masterclass with you, Trevor, and it's a real honour to have you on board. I wanted to kick things off with the real basics, just to set the scene ahead of Content Marketing World next week, of course, and my interview with Joe Polizzi, but why is content marketing so important to you? Well, I suppose there's so many themes, Raquel. I mean, it just the, the amount of noise and the clutter out there, the changes in consumer behaviour, how we're, you know, advertising's less effective today than ever before. Uh, people are blocking it. We've got ad blockers. We, you know, fast forward through the ads. So just literally reaching people is really difficult. But on the other hand, people are, you know, their attention spans, uh, one report puts it as less than a goldfish. So, uh, which is not great for, or, or not necessarily not great, but it is challenging, therefore, for marketers and communicators to reach people who, who have um, less than a goldfish attention span. <laughs> and so, the, 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 you know, the way we, you know, we know the old way of we used to interrupt people with a message about our brand and our product and our service and interrupt them. Uh, that no longer works. We know that. It's, it's probably been ineffective for quite some time now. And, yeah. But the brands that are doing things really well is they're attracting people to them and inspiring them and empowering them with knowledge and information. They're humanising their brand through social media and they, they, they are building sort of, uh, I'll use the word, communities of, of advocates and supporters uh, and content plays a a critical role in that, I believe. It does, and you mentioned all the clutter and the need to get cut through, and it's exciting, and we'll discuss this in a moment, how brands are thinking about becoming media companies themselves and publishers of great content, but at the same time, you're not just creating content that competes against your quote-unquote competitors in market. You're actually competing against every piece of content that's ever been published and put online or wherever it's being put and, and published. So it's really important to be thinking about where your audience is and how you can actually get that cut through against all the myriad of ways that they're now receiving content online and on their phones. Well, it's not only... It's just, you know, you've got all your competitors and I think we get um, obsessed with who our actual competitors are. They're the people traditionally who are offering the, the same product and service to the same target audience group. But, you know, a brand's competitor now is, you know, someone's bomb-headed mate who keeps sending silly uh, <laughs> cat videos and uh, Snapchat Snapchat uh, updates and videos and, uh, you know, 
family and friends that are sending uh, direct messages through Facebook. I mean, all of those things take our attention and they get our attention because they're friends, they're family, you know, we've got that emotional connection with people. So that, that's your number one that is your number one um, competitor as, as a brand today. Let's uh, strip things back a little and explore the broad plethora of content options that are out there because we often think about with brand publishing articles, videos, infographics and, and the like, you know, uh, white papers are becoming more popular, which is great. But as you mentioned, there's Snapchat and other ways that younger audiences in particular are consuming content that brands should be aware of. So where should our brands out there that are listening and be focusing when it comes to the content that they create? Well, it, it, it'll always go back to audience and that's the one thing I like about the whole content marketing arena. You know, the whole, the whole notion of content marketing is putting your audience first. And while brands have always said, oh, we talk about our customers and we put them first. No, they don't, really, not, not with their mm. communication. So this whole notion of audience first what, what's of interest and relevance to them? What, what will inspire them, entertain them? What are their knowledge gaps or their information gaps that we might be able to help them with through the provision of timely and relevant content? That side of things really good. And then, of course, you've got to work out, well, what format do they want it in? Uh, where are they hanging out online? And so you've got to marry those, those uh, numbers of things together. So that takes, that takes insight. You talk about audience. Um, I know you've spoken quite frequently about this, personas versus communities. That's something that I know you're going to be talking about on Friday. Could you embellish on that, please? Yeah, I think that um, there's, the, the more I look at content marketing and the more it grows and, you know, we're all trying to catch up and trying to work out where, our, mm-hmm. we, where we fit in the world. You can't be all things to all people. You can't know everything in this space. And you've, you've got to sort of, I, I believe, develop your own philosophy of, of where, what's relevant around the content marketing scene for, for your brand and, and what you're trying to achieve. And, and it comes down, I think it's sort of starting to come down now to the, are you more of a, a marketer and an inbound marketer and you're, you know, you've got all the, all the, tools and the tricks and the sales funnels and all of that side of things, uh, Mm. which is important to certain types of brands. But then you've got probably what's more the reputation-based content, and this is the where probably the PR and comms teams um, get more involved. And they're they're more concerned about reputation, visibility, building trust, and, and therefore leads and all of those other things, new business, they're an outcome of building a visible and trusted brand. Whereas the inbound marketing guys are more about let's get to the leads first and convert them, and they're, mm. they're two different. There are you know there are common approaches of course, but they are still philosophically different approaches. And it doesn't mean that you don't get ROI off one and not the other. It doesn't mean that at all. But it just means that I think you know if you're out there to build a thought leadership positioning for your brand, if your knowledge and expertise and the people you've got and your experts internally are important. Um, for you know the the growth of your business, then you've got to take a little bit of a different approach. So for our listeners taking notes, we've got audience first, which is always point one. Point two, really thinking about what you're trying to achieve. Isn't that right? Oh, 
absolutely, absolutely. Knowing what you're wanting to achieve, and again, some it might be just uh, new leads and 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 conversions. Others it might be to build trust or to get known or to, you know, to 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 build a connection with influencers might be their goal. And and just that goes back when I was to, uh, I sort of went off a bit of a tangent. The personas tends to be very the buyer personas tends to be very much the inbound marketing, the hardcore yeah. marketing side of content marketing. Whereas when you're looking at more um, you know what communities do you want to reach out to it, you can be a little broader in the way you approach that it's not just a necessarily a one mm. one bullseye person uh, yeah. but it might be you know a cluster of influences um, and where do they sit and what what's what are their informational and content needs so yeah. it's more probably looking at broader communities or pockets within a community these are the types of people we want to reach versus this is the person we want to reach and at the same time though not applying that one-size-fits-all template system which can lead to disaster I know you also speak of the left and right brain of content marketing well I do and um, this is again it's just um, we know that on one side of the, the content marketing coin we've got the the data and the analytics and the SEO and the tools and the templates and systems and processes and conversions and, and all very 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 important and the tech side of things is very important um, you know this whole marketing automation side of things but you know we don't want to lose sight oh that's the left brain I'd put and we don't want to lose sight of the right brain side of content marketing which is the the emotional side the concepts the stories the ideas who we collaborate with the insights that we can gain and the expert commentary and really the humanity of the content that we're trying to uh, you know that we're, we're publishing and putting out there and wanting people to share you mentioned just a moment ago influencers and people who are contributing content that can really move the needle in terms of a brand's reputation where do you think all of this is now fitting into the content marketing equation when it comes to influencers well, again, coming from a PR background, which is which is my background, you know, mm. dealing with influencers and building relationships with influencers has always been about that. And uh, and I guess on one hand, I look at the firebrand talent side of things. So I've been blogging and on Twitter for a long time and LinkedIn, and and I suppose I've built a bit of an audience that uh, that talks to the uh, talks to the marketing and PR world. And, and I've, you know, built a relationship with, um, with uh, Firebrand Talent over some time. They've got a fantastic blog, which I write for um, every few months. And that, that goes, you know, that reaches an audience that I want to reach. And therefore, you know, I'll go and speak with their, their events. They'll let me hold workshops in their, um, in their uh, boardroom and they'll promote them for me. So there's a, there's a good relationship there. Whereas today we're talking a lot about influencer marketing which tends to be a very transactional um, thing where you've got a uh, you know a, an Instagram celebrity and I'm using air quotes uh, who might have you know 50,000 uh, followers and you, you can buy them to to uh, produce some content on your behalf so that to me is a little bit more transactional I like mm. the idea of building um, uh, genuine relationships genuine relationships yeah. over time and whether there's a commercial imperative there or not that's 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 a different matter for and another discussion for another day but i look at how um someone close close to uh close to home in in, in melbourne and the company booper uh, got a fantastic uh content hub called uh, um the blue, the blue room, room. and uh but the other thing that they do really well is that they they've been building relationships with 
uh, bloggers over a period of time. They have sort of health blogger awards, for example, and they work with them over a period of time. And that to me is mm. influencer relations. Um, but, you know, they can work with them and get content from them as well. Um, and again, sometimes there's commercial transactions involved, sometimes they're not. But I, I think the future of content marketing is, yes, use, use journalists, use internal experts, but also use content creators from influ and, in, and influencers who might be bloggers or might be experts in their own realm and they need a, a leg up from a platform's perspective. But you've hit the nail on the head there, Trevor, when you're talking about influencers actually having a degree of experience and knowledge in a particular industry or area that adds value to that brand or that publication and I really think it's a slippery slope when you start paying people who you've never engaged with previously to all of a sudden make a post or create an Instagram or a Snapchat post and then put it out for 500 bucks or whatever it might be um, because then it really does become mm, quite, this is the cynic in me of course Trevor but it, it's not really the kind of endorsement I'd be looking for as a brand. Yeah I mean I'm not saying it doesn't work and I know I've heard examples where it can work but you, I think you know if you want an influencer to be genuinely influential f firstly um, just because someone's got a large following doesn't necessarily make them influential. And they mm. might be influential in one scene or one industry, but does that influence ca just carry across into, into something else? So I just, I, I think using influencers, and I'm using you know, that in a broad term, mm. bloggers and podcasters and experts in their space, yep. or they might be the head of a membership-based organisation in your industry, you know, get them to maybe write for you. Get them, to, why don't you go and info, in, interview them and create content or run an event or a breakfast seminar and get them to speak, which you can then record and, and, and then uh, publish on your blog. So that's that's where I like the influencer side is, is, is just developing closer ties with them and maybe they might produce content for you or you might be interviewing them and that side of things. Okay. All right. Let's move on because we've got a lot to get through here, Trevor, and I want to talk about once you've got your strategy in place and you start to map out that content calendar we talk about the content factory or your capabilities for publication and I'm I'm liking the terms the the one-off premium signature content then there's your kind of day-to-day -day presence content and then there's that recurring sub-branded content so could you flesh these out for our listeners and those of them out there taking notes and how they can start mapping them out and some examples of what those three content types might be. Yeah, well, I do this because um, often I'm, I'm asked to you know, run workshops and do talks, and sometimes it's good just to break things down and then show examples of what, what you mean by that so people can then, once they see that in action, it really makes sense. So mm. I look at your one-off, if you do nothing else but do some strong one-off premium signature content, I think that's a really good place to start. So whether that's you know, it's, it's got a premium feel about it. Um, you know, it feels like it, you, you almost should be paying money for it. Um, it could be an ebook, a webinar, research reports are really good in that regard, uh, white papers, apps. They're probably more evergreen content. Um, they should reflect your uh, flag in the ground and what you stand for and the main things that you want to be known for. Um, and, and, and again, audience first, of course. Uh, but it still needs to lock back to what you stand for and what you're trying to achieve, of course. And so, you know, if you look at a, a neat, say there's, it might be, you know, the 101 things, you know, that are challenges of your customer and you package it into an ebook, and it's got this perceived value. So mm. they're things that you can, you know, you might do one every quarter. It might be an ebook or a, 
or a um, you know a series of videos or um, you know an app or I said or a white paper um, research reports bigger heavier chunkier stuff so I call yep. that premium signature content um, coming down from that there's that day-to-day -day presence content a uh, content and so that's your micro content tweets Facebook updates uh, updates on LinkedIn your blog posts your email newsletters if you're doing uh, live streaming video live streams on periscope mm -hmm. or facebook live for example infographics they're the stuff the day-to-day -day, that keep you visible in the marketplace it's not as hard to produce um, because the the signature stuff is going to take you a lot more time and a little bit of investment yeah. but the day-to-day -day stuff keeps you going um, and, and and allows you a bit more bite size and then the third part um, not necessarily for everyone uh, but this is more like a podcast or if you had a YouTube video show or maybe you had a series of themed blog posts and this is recurring sub-branded content. So this is, um, you know, this podcast, for example, I would put under under that banner. Uh, my podcast, Reputation Revolution, I'd put under that banner. Uh, who's another example? Mark, Mas Mark Masters, who you've had on this show yep. from the ID Group in the UK. He has a series of blog posts under the heading uh, Talking Content. And so he can package that up, um, and and it's on it. People might not look at anything else that you do, but they might lock onto your podcast, mm. and it allows it to maybe get a, a bit of a life of its own. Maybe it allows you to niche down your audience a lot more and be very a lot more specific with uh, what you're trying to achieve with that one particular sub-branded property. So they're the, yep. they're the sort of um, three areas that content will probably generally fit in. So for our listeners taking notes again, they are the content types, the physical content outputs under those three categories that you can start thinking about creating from today. But when we think more broadly, and I suppose use that right brain side of content marketing, we then move into the thoughts and the and the emotional side of the content and how we can stretch that across the spectrum. So you describe utility-based content versus thought leadership content, and then there's human content and promotional content. How can we start to put them all on a spectrum for un understanding them quite clearly? Well, I, I talk about this too, because I think in the content marketing world, we want to be solving our uh, customers' Uh, challenges, issues, the, the frequently asked questions they have, their pressing needs that you might be able to help them with um, through the provision of content. And so th that's sort of a lot of times that will be the how-to and that really informational-based type uh, content. So I call that utility-based content. It's useful, it's helpful, it provides utility. It could be just straight self-serve information of those frequently asked questions people are asking, or it might be more educative and how-to. So that when we think content marketing, I reckon that's probably a large proportion of what, what comes out. And, and if that's all you do, that's fantastic because you're being useful and helpful and relevant to your customers. And so there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think it's the best sort of mm. content to do. But again, not one size fits all. Uh, if you're out there trying to, you know, raise your profile as a thought leader in, the, in your field, your space, again, whether it's as an individual, a small business or a major corporation, doesn't really matter. Um, then you're going to need to go around more thought leadership based content. And this is probably a little bit more thought provoking, inspirational. So if on the utility based content, we look at our audience and what's of, you know, what's really their challenges that we, we are matching our content to their needs. With thought leadership content, you think Seth Godin, just a fantastic thought leader in the space, uh, you know, he'd know his audience, but he doesn't sit there and 
answer people's questions. He's actually provocative and pokes people in the metaphorical eye, you know, like he's <laughs> he's prodding and, and, yeah. and I think he's a great example of showing that, but he's not the only one because in thought leadership, you're trying to push, change people and the way people think about a topic or an issue or a trend. You're trying to uh, move people with your ideas and you've got to be at the forefront to be pushing that. And so sometimes you might be writing stuff that might be a little uncomfortable for people. So that's why I like to differentiate those two. No, again, not one's more right than the other and, and, they're, and they're not mutually exclusive. The human content is, I, I, I just really push this barrow because you know, we want to tell personal stories. We want to take people behind the scenes of, of our business or our organisation. Or if you're a non-profit, you know, what's, mm. what's happening behind the cause? Who are the people involved? You know, who are the supporters? And shine your light on, the, on your customers and your advocates and, and those sorts of things. And so we can do that through human content. Now, that could be, you know, interviewing a thought leader. So you're getting the human aspect. We see the person. We feel their, their, their heart and their spirit and their passion. But they're giving us thought leadership content at the same time so um, human content I think you know that keeps bringing us back to it's about the stories the ideas and the humanity of what we're trying to create and finally promotional content I always talk about that because it's okay to you know to promote your stuff just if that's all you do you're going to be in strife but if you do it you know 10-15% of the time you're building an audience of like minds and people who are interested in what you've got to say or write about and your thoughts and your ideas it's not, it's, they'll probably want to hear from you. So that's when you've got your call to actions and, you know, attend our event and download this and, <laughs> you know, all of that side of things. So promotional content is fine. It's okay to have a call to action. Absolutely, as long as there's a balance. Now, those of us listening in, we've created our content. We've now published it on our blog. Let's take things up a notch, Trevor, and talk about amplification. Okay, so this is where... You know, obviously we want to build an audience and on, on our social channels and do it, you know, organically over time. We certainly want to be building a, an opt-in email subscriber list over time. And, and there are various ways that we can do that through pop-ups and, and, you know, giving out great content that's, you know, behind a lead gate, for example, or, you know, you have to put an email in to get it. So there are various ways to build those organic channels. And I think, you know, everyone should be trying to do those. Build your social channels, Absolutely. build your email list, all of that, because that's your own proprietary uh, your own proprietary audience over the period of time that you're, it's a digital asset. But we still need to have extended reach and native advertising, which, you know, is discussed often on, on podcasts, including yourselves, uh, you know, that's, that's where you, you know, you become um, uh, an editorial, a sponsored post, I guess, let's call it a sponsored post rather than, I'm not a fan of the phrase native advertising, uh, but a sponsored post, you know, so people know that it is it is sponsored, it's not part of the editorial. I think that those distinctions need to be very clear. And uh, But that that's to insert yourself into a, a bigger publication. So, you know, if you're a, um, we have a an online business publication in, in Australia called smartcompany.com.au. And so if you had a, a good article that was super relevant to that audience and it's a good platform, then maybe you talk to them about doing a sponsored post through them. So I, I like that idea. I think it, you know, you wouldn't want to be doing it all the time. You need to be very strategic. You need to be uh, obviously wholly relevant to the the publication you're going into. Uh, but I think, you know, it's not an ad. It's actually adding value uh, to that audience. So that really uh, works pretty well. And, of course, Facebook advertising, if your audience is on Facebook, and let's face it, most audiences are, but, um, you know, linked into a lesser degree for B2B sort of stuff, 
You know, there are those platforms are continually to improve the way that you can put sponsored content through those um, through those uh, channels. So there are a couple of ways that people want to, you know, will are probably are using yep. to to explode their content out there. And I guess the third one is that whole influencer type of thing. So, yep. you know, if you've got experts who are writing on your blog from internally, do you then try and get a guest post? Um, not a paid one, but a genuine guest post or, a, you know, on a, a another blog or an industry publication. And so that to me is still content marketing. You're still creating content. It's something that would will probably eventually live back on your blog. Uh, but you've, you're reaching a new audience and then getting a link back to your uh, website uh, by guest posting on someone else's blog. And I think that, that again, that's the more the PR side of things uh, because that's what PR people have been doing for 100 years. Now, we all know content marketing is a marathon. It's not a sprint and it will snowball over time. So how do we actually measure the success of what we're trying to achieve here, Trev? Well, again, it's going to come back to your, your specific goals and what you're trying to achieve. I mean, obviously, on the inbound marketing side, you're wanting to see traffic and is that traffic hitting, the, you know, not bouncing off your website, but, you know, coming in through the right channels. Um, and is it, you know, are you actually uh, getting people onto your email subscriber list or through the through the sales funnel and, and they're converting? That that side of things on the inbound marketing is probably a lot easier to um, to, to measure. Uh, where it gets probably a little bit more difficult is that the trust and the brand and the visibility and the reputation, they're a little bit fuzzier. That doesn't mean you can't measure them, uh, but often it might be a research that you have to do and there's a bit of an investment in that, uh, in measuring that. But, you know, if you're a big brand and you've got trust issues with your customers, um, you know, you take benchmark research day one and then, you know, a year later do it again and see, has that worked? Are people opting into your content? Um, are you, you know, are they uh, requesting more information? Are they, um, are they sharing your content and engaging with it is, is really important too. Because I think, you know, people don't just share, you know, stuff. They, they, when people are sharing stuff on online, it, it, it is to a large degree, um, what's the word? It, it's, a, it's a bit of an image thing because, you know, if you're wanting to share a lot of really clever, smart stuff, that's to, you know, that psychology-wise, that's to say, well, you know, look at me, aren't I clever and smart? And so if, <laughs> if you've got really good information that people are wanting to share with their networks and you're getting that third part, implied third-party endorsement, um, if journalists are coming to you for, for quotes and that side of things, all of those are, are things you can measure uh, and, and very, very important. Again, that takes you more into the PR side of yeah. things, the word of mouth, the advocacy, uh, the media relations, the blogger relations, that sort of thing. You know, like if, if, a, if a CEO of a business of a big company wrote a really great blog post to, uh, and then a, a journalist wanted to interview them further on the back of that. You know, that's that's a good thing. But again, what are you trying to achieve? It's only a good thing if you're trying to achieve visibility for the CEO and build trust in the in the leadership of that business. Now, Trevor, I think I did hear in the background the bell ringing, signifying the end of our content marketing masterclass. But before we all run out the door and head off home, could you leave us with one last lesson for our toolkit before we head off to CMW16? Oh, okay. Well, I talk about 
content not in isolation but where it locks into social media and what the role it plays uh, not only just as a content distributor but also the influencer relationship side of things and also the earned so owned earned and social are my I sort of sit in the middle of that and integrate those three I think if you're just doing content by yourself you're missing a big part of the pie if you just do social in isolation you're missing a massive part of the pie and and I think a bit of the secret sauce is earned media and again that comes back down to my PR roots, but mm. the owned, earned and social work much, much better together than in isolation. So I'd be looking at bringing all of those three elements and they're all big elements, but they all interlock with each other perfectly. And that is a perfect way to end our content marketing masterclass with the PR warrior, Trevor Young. Trevor, I can't wait to catch up with you on Friday. Until then, may the force be with you. Thank you, Rakal. Always a pleasure. 